Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and you are listening to episode 81 of the show. Before we dive in today, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make the show possible. Today's show is made possible by Choose Happiness. Choose Happiness is a social enterprise and business bringing wholesome, eco-friendly, sustainably sourced, organic, handcrafted creations to America's dogs while supporting indigenous herders and small farmers in developing countries. Choose Happiness uses exclusively plastic-free, plant-based packaging as sustainability is a top priority for them. Choose Happiness is a zero-carbon business and a member of 1% for the planet. They also donate a minimum of 1% of every sale to animal rescue groups, and they even have a top 20 ranking by the Pet Sustainability Coalition. If you're wondering what you'll get when you buy Choose Happiness dog treats, Choose Happiness offers delicious, decadent, macaroon-like doggy desserts called Barkaroons that contain all-natural, beyond-organic, wholesome ingredients that have been sustainably sourced. These unique, special, crunchy treats are available in elegant, yet eco-friendly gift boxes, and they promote great immune, joint, digestive, and skin and coat health for your furry friend. Guys, this is my favorite kind of product. Good for you, good for your pet, and good for the planet. So use the link in the show notes to purchase your pup some Choose Happiness dog treats today and receive a free toy with the purchase of two treat boxes that's choose c-h-e-w-s happiness link in the show notes so speaking of sustainable brands i am so excited to share this conversation with you with my new friend Haley. Haley and i met online and she runs a socially conscious fashion brand and let me tell you her products are stunning her jewelry will stick out to you right away and that's because she designs it herself and she has lots of other amazing products that she sells and partners with some really cool organizations. And that's what we're here talking about today. We're chatting about what led her to starting her own business and why it was so important that it be a socially conscious one. Haley has learned a lot about human slavery and the environmental impact of our consumer habits over the years as a fashion lover and an entrepreneur. While she's really passionate about these issues, she's equally as passionate about helping consumers to form sustainable habits that will help us be mindful shoppers all the time, no matter our budget. That's why I titled this episode Sustainable-ish Living. None of us are perfect, but it's about doing what we can. And Haley has some really great perspective on this to share with you today. Make sure that while you're listening, you check out her shop. And don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show. Ratings and reviews help me so much. They help more people to find the show. They help people in need because I donate $2 for every review I receive. And they help me to feel good about myself. So lots of great reasons to do it. Please take a few minutes to write one. I would also love it if you'd share the show with friends. Share it with the fellow fashion lovers in your life, but really anyone who does any kind of shopping. Post online that you're listening and tag me and Haley. We would love to hear from you. And make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you know when part two is available next week. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Haley. All right. Hey, Haley, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that we connected and have you on the show. I think we have a lot of similar passions. So can you just start with introducing yourself for everyone who's listening? Totally. Yeah. So uh, my name is Haley Yeager. And I live in Sonoma County, California, which is like an hour north of San Francisco. I live here with my husband who works in the wine industry. He's a soil scientist and sustainability specialist here. And I work from home and I have my own 
a company called Atomic Design. So um, that kind of encompasses our current life right now. We're doing a lot of at-home things, but starting to now branch out a little bit, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, we talked a little bit about this over email, but I'm so intrigued to hear about what it's like to live in wine country in California, because yeah. that would be like my dream place to be. So are you guys <laughs> from there or did you end up there because of his job? Yeah. So um, I'm actually from Central California, a little town called Pacific Grove. It's like right on the ocean in the middle and mm-hmm. it's just this cute little quaint town my dad used to joke it was for the nearly uh, nearly dead and newly wed because it's like all old people and young people <laughs> but most of my family like my mom's side of the family was from Sonoma County and then uh, my husband grew up in like Sacramento Northern California and so I moved up here to be closer to family and he moved here for his job and so um, it just worked out now we get to stay here. My Most of our family is here. So we actually live on the same property with my in-laws. And so oh, that, yeah, it's fun. We get along really well and they love wine. So we, yeah, we do a lot of wine tasting actually. And then JT has to work in a lot of different vineyards. So then we get a lot of, per- we'll go on work trips together and stuff and I'll work from a winery <laughs> and he works out in the vineyard. So it works out pretty oh, well. That so fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Were you guys affected? By the fires last year? Yeah. um, Well, so in 2017, we've now had fires almost every year for the past four years or so now. And um, so the first one, I had just moved. I was living with some family and I had moved out a month before and then their house burned down, unfortunately. And then, uh, but their house is all beautiful and rebuilt. And then this last one, we moved into our house uh, a week before and then we were evacuated for a little over a week. But our house is totally fine. So we were super grateful for that. Wow, that's crazy. I can't imagine. I feel like I would have to have like a fire bag packed all the time. Yeah. This is what I'm taking with me. (laughs) We do. Yeah, we have have like an area of our files and like important. We have like a list going of like important things to grab when you evacuate. And and we we live on a well. So whenever we get like power outages all the time because of fire risk. So there are many weeks that they just... We don't have water power. So oh my goodness! It's real glamorous. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's so funny. Wow. But well, I can't imagine. We it out. Yeah. Well, and living, you know, in wine country sounds worth it. I think so. Yeah, it's great. And living near family, it's all. It's only a couple weeks out of the year. So, right. I mean, other people. Everybody has something that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. No, we live in the southeast, and so. People are always like, oh, do you guys get a lot of hurricanes? And I mean, if you watch the national news, it seems like we get a lot of hurricanes, but Uh there's only been two since I've lived here that really affected us. And by affected us, I mean, we like stocked up on some groceries and it rained Mm -hmm. really hard that day. And (laughs) that was it. So we've been really lucky. Like it's one of those things that always sounds worse if you don't know what it's really like, you know? Totally. So yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Okay, so (laughs) tell us about Atonement Design and your business and when it started and all that good stuff. Yeah, so Atonement Design is a socially conscious fashion brand. We like to call it the place for people striving to do better. So we have a jewelry line that I design, and then it's made over in Cambodia Cambodia by an artisan group. And then we also have items that uh, we source that are USA made or fair trade or like women owned and things like that. So we kind of do both with the jewelry. We do wholesale and retail. Mm -hmm. So we're in some boutiques here um, in the United States. And yeah, we started 
how long ago? Well, I, I tinkered with it for a long time. I made jewelry and would donate proceeds and do like little things here and there while I was going to school and working full time and things like that after college. Mm-hmm. But I started the jewelry line that's going to be made by artisans uh, like three years now. And um, of course, the first one was a total fail. I worked with a group in Thailand and there are a lot of like barriers with communication and just like what we both thought was working. And then of course they pulled their entire jewelry program right when I was about to launch my line. So we ha- we've had some fails and then we've had some mishaps and then we finally found Agape International Missions who we partner with now and they have a anti-slavery organization in Cambodia but they're based here in California. So we now partner with them and they have an awesome factory and yeah, it's going quite well. <laughs> cool. That's so amazing. Okay, so do you have a background in fashion or like how did you come up with the idea to start this business? Yeah, so I don't really have like a formal background or anything like that. I have always been a creative though. And so um, mm-hmm. I've been making jewelry since I was like six or something like that. And I've always mm-hmm. just been tinkering around. My mom has sewn her whole life. And when I was little, I used to watch a lot of princess movies and thought that like marriage was this like end all be all of course and so she told me that um if I didn't learn how to sew that no man would marry me because she wanted me to (laughs) sew with her which I don't know if somehow I started sewing anyway um so now (laughs) I do sew some clothes now and then but I've just always kind of been into fashion and making my own things and um started making jewelry and kind of just, and my dad was a, he had a construction company when I was younger. So the thought of owning my own business was super normal. But yeah, that's just kind of how it all started as a child and just kind of evolved from there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then after college, you said you were working full time. And so what led you to decide like, okay, I'm going to leave my job and pursue this atonement idea I have full time. And how did you come up with the name? Oh, yeah. So um, I so I graduated high school and did a little bit of college. And then I decided Mm -hmm. that I wanted to be a missionary and I moved overseas. And I just kind of always wanted to do some type of business that had some type of component where we could help other partner with other people and um, help eradicate like poverty and slavery and things. So I just Mm -hmm. started feeling like I needed a name. I didn't know what that business would look like whatsoever, but I just said, okay, God, if I'm going to ever have a business one day, like I need some kind of name to go with it. And I kept coming across the word atonement. And the more I looked into what it meant, just like in the plain form of the word of just reconciliation and restoration, it just kind of fit the idea that I had of like, okay, we have a lot of problems and we will always have a lot of problems, but just as one small human, like how can I do my part to partner with people and help eradicate some kind of problems and make them better? Like it just kind of seemed to fit the theme. So Mm -hmm. that's where the name came from. And so when I came back from that program, I went to school, to to business school down in San Diego at Point Loma. And uh, they had an entrepreneurship and nonprofit focus within their business school. So I did that and graduated from there. And then I worked for a finance company for a while. And then I worked 
in accounting and then I worked for an optical coding company that does like thin films and filters for microscopes and things and I was their marketing manager for a while so very different from what I'm doing Mm -hmm. now but it was uh, cool to just get that marketing experience for a large company and like be the only marketing like be the whole department you know so I did that for a long time and then when I got married my husband I just was so I hated working in a cubicle. I'm just way too creative to be in in that environment. So um, my husband and I kind of talked about it. And he's like, okay, time to go part time at your job and then start your business. So about three years ago, I decided to do that. And I went part time at the engineering company I was at and started doing more of atonement and working towards figuring out the jewelry line and all the other aspects that were going to go on with it and making like a successful e-commerce brand. And then finally, when, well, right before COVID hit, I went full-time and quit my job. So it's been just over a year now that it's been full-time for me. So that's been Uh a lot of fun, but it's been my bit of a wild journey, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now, were you, you said right before COVID is when you like officially made that decision. And I can relate because I started staying home with my kids like right before COVID. And I was like, oh man, if I had known, we would have been in this really weird, (laughs) you know, slash potentially entering a recession. I maybe would have kept my job. (laughs) Did you go through that at all? Or were you like, no, this is is right? Yeah, I did. Uh, Because of course, you know, we, we, I tell my boss, okay, I'm going to quit after we had some trade shows. I'm like, I'm going to quit after this. And I was giving them the full warning and I had committed to training the next person. And so, Uh um, it was like right when COVID hit, when the new person came and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can't make it so that she doesn't have a job. (laughs) So, um, yeah, there was definitely some uncertainty. Uh, I had a ton of in-person things lined up. There's this thing called the impact fashion show in LA. And we just had a lot of really cool things in person that we had lined up that gave me a lot of hope for uh, going full time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it, you know, it worked out as good it, as an extrovert. It was really good for me to in like an over planner and overdoer. It was really good for me to be at home by myself. So um, sure. it definitely had a lot of blessings in disguise. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree. Okay. So first, why don't you tell us, I mean, jewelry is just one of the things mm-hmm. that you sell. So why don't you tell us kind of about, I know you said you designed the jewelry. And so tell us about how the partnership with, I think you said it's called Agape International Missions, yes. how that partnership works. Yeah. So um, after my first go with another organization, I learned that I wanted to work with an organization that was close to home that I could meet. And we kind of had just similar ways of communicating to make it easier since I wasn't going to be able to go there um, at the time. And so I met with them and basically it's way more simple than I expected it to be and also more complicated all at the same time. But um, essentially (laughs) I design all the products. I, I've been collecting gemstones and beads and things for years. So I'll go to like gem fairs and all that. And I have some vendors that I really like. So I'll design, I don't know, like 20 pieces and then have my customers help me narrow it down to what should be in a solidified line. And then I will send, I'll source all the materials myself and have them sent to their factory in Cambodia. And I'll send all my samples there with direction. We have like a spreadsheet 
that we share with just designs and directions and things like that. Um, yeah. And then they make them um, and then they ship them back and they have such a cool program. They they have the factory, which is like job training and things like that. But then they also have their own SWAT team um, to help with um, rescue and things like that over in their area. They have oh, wow. their own school for kids. They just have everything. It's really incredible. So yeah, it's a really awesome organization to be able to partner with. And they have a well-oiled machine. They work for a bunch of different brands. So I'm not the only one. And so they already have their situations and like their system set in place. And so I just send those things and it's super quick too. They send it back usually within like three weeks or so. And then I sell it on our end. So I'll do like wholesale and retail and um, have it in our store. And then the items that aren't in the line that I'll do, you know, that I'll make to potentially have in a line, we have quarterly one-of-a-kind sales where every quarter we host a sale where we donate proceeds from diff- uh, to different organizations that we agree on as as a community, and um, that's how we get rid of all the other products that didn't make it into the line. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And what a cool organization you're working with. Yeah. Now, awesome. tell us more about then the the other stuff that you sell, like the clothes and I think maybe some home goods also. So how do you source those things? Because I think you said you don't make all those or maybe I'm wrong, but just tell us. No, no, I don't. (laughs) Okay. Tell us where those products come from and how, like kind of what you look for in the products that you're selling. Because I know being like mindful of how they're made and where they're coming from and the impact they have is really important to you. Totally. So when I first started that side of things, I I was learning more and more about slavery and just the impacts that uh, we have as consumers and how most things we buy involve some kind of slavery in the supply chain. And as a person that really loves fashion, I was heartbroken, of course. And I just wanted to add things to my shop to make it easy for people to buy things that were better and uh, well fair trade so I started with all fair trade but I quickly realized that that wasn't gonna work to only have fair trade because the items were gorgeous and incredible but expensive because that's just how it goes with fair trade you when it's sustainable Mm -hmm. and everything is great from start to end it just it comes with a price tag so I was at the time my husband and I got married three years ago now and when we got married we had like 95 grand in student loan debt that we were fighting to pay off and I realized that like I couldn't even buy my own products like I (laughs) as as a consumer I was like I really I'm really passionate about this but even I can't afford it (laughs) so I thought okay well a lot of people are probably in the same boat as me where they like can't always buy the fair trade so we branched out into USA made too and that has been really awesome to just kind of create that like stepping stone for people that are interested but uh, with the fair trade ones we work with uh, one brand called Ure in particular they work with artisans in Bali and they also donate proceeds to fight human trafficking and they work with eco-friendly dyes and materials they're incredible we also sell ones from a brand called Mata Traders and they have a similar vibe and same with Symbology. So we have a lot of really key organizations that are doing incredible work for the environment and for people and also make products that you actually want to wear, which is super important. Mm -hmm. But then with USA Made, I just, I started researching uh, various brands that did only USA Made and I found that there are some that do USA made and imports, but they are very clear about which ones are USA made. So we started adding those to the shop and then we have fair trade 
items for home goods that we have really beautiful cheese boards and things that are made in Tanzania. And yeah, we have kind of a whole smorgasbord. I just want, I wanted a place where anyone could come with any budget and be able to participate in like a socially conscious consumerist Mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. And it's so nice when someone has gathered all that for you and has it in one place. That's like my favorite thing as a consumer to not have to go out and search myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, research the brand and figure out like, okay, what are they really doing here? Like, how are their products really made? I like it when people have already done that for me Mm -hmm. and just put it in one shop where I can spend Totally. And it's important to be transparent and for you to be able to know like what, what's actually going on too. So yeah, we enjoy it. Yeah. I love that. We're trying to be as honest as possible because there are times, I mean, we work with all different brands and an example of our like mentality of doing better and not best is uh, one day we bought a bunch of dresses from a brand that sells a lot of USA made things. And on the website, like the wholesale mm-hmm. website, it said that it was made in the United States. So we bought a bunch of them and then we get mm-hmm. them and they're all made in China. And so oh, no. I contact the brand. I'm like, uh, yes. Yeah, so this isn't what was advertised. And, you know, we have this whole discussion. Well, then I can't return them because they don't, it's just like a whole complicated mess. And so mm-hmm. anyway, we decided, you know what, we're going to just be super transparent with our customers that like as a socially conscious fashion brand, these are the types of things that we're up against. And these are things that happen. So these are items that we're selling, but we're donating proceeds from them to fight human trafficking now. So like when things like oh. that do happen, we believe it's good to be honest and just like be transparent and say as a small business these things happen but this is what how we're striving to do better and make something better out of the situation so yeah very cool well good for you I love that yeah so tell us like where did you first kind of learn about these issues that exist especially in the fashion industry and just the need to be a socially responsible consumer. How did you kind of first become aware of that problem? Yeah, I think it was, uh, well, when I was in high school, I started learning about fair trade and like the need for it. I didn't really, really, you know, when you see the fair trade sticker, you're like, oh my gosh, how exciting that like there's something good associated with this chocolate bar or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but then behind that, like you realize, oh, there's a need for this. Like whenever there's an organization for something, that means that something awful is happening and there's a need to fix it. And so Mm -hmm. as I started researching it, I just started learning more about slavery and poverty. And of course, as like a young white American growing up in a small town, thought that it was just happening everywhere else but here and was super ignorant about what was actually going on even in the United States too. And so I started just researching more about poverty and like the need for fair trade and just what goes on behind that. And then started learning more about sex trafficking because you know, when somebody's facing poverty and that's all that they have is their body to sell, then like that's a natural path for somebody that can't afford to make ends meet. So um, that kind of led me down like the sex trafficking rabbit hole. And then I was led down the, you know, slavery of all forms rabbit hole and started learning more about uh, the Department of Labor that has their whole um, printout of, you know, what items involve trafficking and started researching like, oh my gosh, there's trafficking and everything. Like everything has slavery. So it was. It started in high school, went kind of in college. And in college, I also volunteered for a human trafficking organization and really learned about it happening in our backyard. And so I just kind of wanted to start thinking about like the local impacts. Like we're so set apart from our purchases at times. Like when we go to Target, we don't think about the maker behind it. But like working with a human trafficking organization 
in the town I was living in really opened my eyes to what happens just in every sense of like the supply chain when we purchase things or just in every neighborhood, like everything is so close to us and just wanting to be more aware of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of college and then it's just evolved. Now that I am married to a sustainability specialist, I I hadn't really thought about it, about the environmental impacts. I was focused more on the people until I met my husband and started learning that, you know, if we don't take care of our planet, we won't have one. And um, then we can't even help figure out what we can do better at within all these issues if we don't have a place to live. So um, that's when I started becoming more aware of the environmental impacts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I feel like we're getting into like, the nitty gritty of it right now. So this is where it gets a little hard to listen for people who don't like to hear about this kind of stuff. But, but this is the important stuff, right? Like we mm-hmm. Once you know, you know, and, and yeah. you can't really say that you didn't know. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us more when you say like, but I think a lot of people do know about human trafficking. Like we've seen a lot more mm-hmm. awareness of that lately and I've done a few episodes on it, but can you tell us more yeah. about what you mean when you say there's, there's slavery, like in everything, like what exactly yeah. does that mean? And maybe if you want to tell us like about the other types of slavery that you've learned about. Totally. So as we stand right now, there are about 44 million people trapped in slavery or human trafficking globally. And that's like the population of Oregon and California combined to kind of put it into perspective. So like if everyone in Oregon and California were slaves, like that's kind of just the amount of people that we have. And um, so we have like labor sex or labor trafficking, sex trafficking. There's also like child brides and prison. There's there's just all kinds. <laughs> like it yeah. seems like any anything that you think of, there could be some type of slavery involved. And so, so that translates to people that make our products, and then people like we always hear about drugs trafficking and arms trafficking. Well, with people, you know, once you sell a product, like that product is gone and you can't profit off of it anymore. So like within drug trafficking and things like that, once you sell it, it's gone. But mm-hmm. when you have people, then you could just reuse them over and over and over again. And so it's mm-hmm. one of the more profitable crimes. And so it's one of the fastest growing ones right now, um, just because of like how people can be used over and over. So, I mean, California has a huge human trafficking issue. We live in Santa Rosa, which is like the first quote unquote major city. It's not major, but it's like the first first major city in California. So it's like it's one of the trafficking hubs because you could transport people easily. That could be like mm-hmm. a, a hub, I guess. And so it happens just here with like runaways or we have a huge foster care crisis right now. And a lot of kids that age out of foster care end up in these situations too, unfortunately. So it could, and, and it also could just happen to anyone, like any young person on social media could be baited and become a victim of human trafficking too. So between like just sex trafficking and like where we get our products, it just feels like we're surrounded at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's everywhere. It's not just overseas. We think like with the collapse of Rana Plaza, which was a factory that collapsed years ago and killed over a thousand people in a garment factory. Like we think of those situations and think like, oh, those are the people trapped in slavery or those are the people that have their needs not being met. But really it's everywhere in every context. And so if you're curious about learning more about it, Polaris Project has a lot of great resources. Mm -hmm. They are a database organization that um, comes up with a lot of stats all the time. They're awesome and they have a ton of resources. 
And um, also the Department of Labor, they have a huge PDF. It's like 65 pages long of uh, that'll break down all the areas in which trafficking and slavery is associated. It has a diagram where it's like a person at a restaurant with their cell phone at a tape, like with the table. And, and it just points to all the different things in the picture and talks about like what kind of trafficking could have been associated with all those different products. So yeah, it's really terrible. <laughs> it's just, it feels like a huge issue that we'll just never be able to fix or help. Yeah, it's quite daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And on, I think in something on your website, I was reading, like you called it an epidemic. And I think um, that's a really good way to describe it. And I don't know, I just, that word is like kind of triggering, I feel like, and it should mm-hmm. be because this isn't just something that is like, happening you know occasionally or whatever like it's not like a freak accident that you hear about every once in a while like it's it's people's everyday reality and like you said not just in foreign countries that we've never heard of like it's here too in the U.S. and no matter where you're listening it's happening where you're at and so yeah I I love that you are using your platform to educate people on that because oh man what's more important than like human lives I think you know it's it whether or not you care about the earth or you know environmental sustainability Mm -hmm. like who can say Mm -hmm. that this doesn't matter you know yeah yeah definitely and it could and just the fact that every single person is vulnerable to it like we we think we're so far removed but then you know I mean I was (laughs) this is such a silly example but I was on a work trip one day and I landed and got on the wrong parking bus of course and it's like super late at night and my everyone else from my team had already left and gotten their cars and somehow got on the right bus. And um, of course, then I get dropped off in the middle of San Francisco in like a parking lot by myself and it's the wrong one. And I have to like hike to another one. And it's just one of the most dangerous and sketchy areas. And I thought, okay, so this is like just somebody being in the wrong place at the wrong time is vulnerable to this. Like this could easily happen to me too right here, right now. Like we're not so far removed, I guess, just as as people who think that we could be far away from a situation like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you <laughs> we've you know we've been focusing kind of on the fashion industry and and just consumer industry, I guess, because that's obviously the line of work that you're in. So, are there any mm-hmm. other things that you think, man, not enough people know about this or think about this? Well, when they're shopping, you know, whether it's for clothes or whatever it is, what are some of the other issues that you think more people need to think about? Yeah, I mean, I think also from a sustainability standpoint, too. So there were 13 million tons of textile waste thrown out just globally last year in 2020. And so that breaks down to like 70 pounds a person. And I mean, I also love shopping and I love clothes and I love all those things. But I I try to just make a point of wearing out anything that I own. So Mm -hmm. I try to buy secondhand where I can, but then also once I do own something, I try not to just like buy something similar to it because I want to just wear it out and not contribute to the large levels of waste. And so that's something I always try to remind people to like as consumers, if the more that we consume, the more that we're also throwing away as well. So that's also something that's super important right now. We got to make sure that we're not just totally ruining the environment with like the habits that we have. Mm -hmm. Really important stuff. And I know you are passionate about talking just about like sustainable living in general too, not even just when it comes to fashion. What are some of the things that when it comes to a sustainable lifestyle that you like to educate people on? Yeah, I mean, I I try to just encourage people. We're all passionate about different things, right? Like I think 
slavery is horrible. And like, I'm, I would say that most people think slavery mm-hmm. is horrible, but we're all super passionate in various areas. And so I just try to encourage people to just start with where they're passionate about. So if you want to, if you're passionate about farming or supporting local farmers or things like that, then you buy local. So I just try to encourage people to start where they are. And then after that, kind of go down the list. I have an ongoing list of all the ways that I want to be better in. And so like my husband and I grow a lot of our own food because that's something that's sustainable for us right now. We don't use single use products. We try to use either like Tupper, like glass Tupperware or towels. Like we don't use paper towels. We just mm-hmm. try to grow it where we can in this sustainable lifestyle, but then also forgive ourselves where we can't do it. Because if you get so sucked in, you're going to get stressed out and then not be able to do any of it at all. So mm-hmm. that's where we try to make our efforts. When we buy, we try to think about how far our dollar can go. Like if we're, ha- if we have 20 bucks to spend on somebody's gift, like we could easily buy it on Amazon and just have it be done. Or we could buy it from a local boutique and like actually impact a local business and um, help our neighbor or buy a product that is doing something a little bit more in the world than we would first think of. So I just try to start with like little switches because like sustainability just in a whole is super important, but you can't like the word sustainable just means long lasting. So even our habits need to be sustainable too. So we just try to go with like what changes we can make that will actually make an impact and then be okay where we can't actually do it. So we also have a long list of things that we're not Mm -hmm. doing right. And (laughs) that's okay too. So (laughs) yeah. I hope you are feeling so inspired coming away from that interview. It makes me so sad when I hear people say that they feel like they're too small to make a difference or wondering if their efforts really matter. Like Haley said, it's not about any of us being perfect. It's about all of us taking small steps together and leading to collective change. It's so important to keep in mind when we shop, whether that's for food or fashion or whatever we're buying. People's lives are truly at stake here, so let's form sustainable consumer habits that can help. One great way to do that is to check out Atonement Design next time you're in need of some new earrings or a cute handbag or whatever you're looking for. I love that Haley's shop features all types of products for all types of price ranges. You can view the show notes on whatever app you're listening to or on my website, heartfelthippy.com, to find the links to connect with Haley. And I'd love to connect with you too. All the other links we mentioned today are on there also, including the link to shop Choose Happiness Dog Treats and get a free toy with your purchase. Don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show while you're over there and also subscribing. Subscribing is important so that you can easily find my show again in the future and also so you know when new episodes are available like part two with Haley next week. All you have to do is click the subscribe button. It's free to do. Just one click and you're done. Like I said, we'll be back next week to talk more with Haley about sustainable-ish living as well as more about her and her journey as a business owner and even as a wife. Until then, remember that every purchase you make has an impact, and that can be for worse or for better. Think about forming small, sustainable habits to be a more conscious consumer, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out! I'm home.